0: from Australia. This is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
1: This is WIA national news for week commencing May the 22nd, 2016. Hi, I'm Robert VK3DN and I'm Brian VK3GR. Welcome back for another week of
2: WIA news and how are you going? Yeah, I'm going well, thanks, Rob. Well, what a week. It's come around so quickly again. And, yeah, you know, been busy and uh, noticing that we're dodging a little bit of rain and we're getting home and it's getting a little bit darker each day. Uh, but, you know, that is the time of year and, uh, you know, it gives us the opportunity to do the finer things in life, like have a chat on the radio. So, uh, listeners... Oh, g'day, listeners, by the way, and hello to Graham as well. Hope you're having a great time with your feet up or wherever you're doing, whatever you're doing. Uh, listeners, you should get involved with your club net... Especially, you know, this time of year, it's, uh, it's keeping inside, keeping warm and uh, taking advantage of, uh, you know, the opportunity to make some friends. Although you don't have to make friends in your local area. Isn't that right, Rob? I understand there are some people making friends far, far away. Something about Aris, perhaps, in the news.
1: Yeah, that's right, Brian. Friday night, Essex Heights Primary School. We had a link up with the ISS. We've got a report and some audio in this week's news broadcast on that just a little bit later. But first, here's WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with some news from the WIA board.
3: This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with yet more news on the Institute's submission to the ACMA concerning future amateur licence conditions. This time, I'll share some reactions to the submission and there have been some interesting comments, I must say. First up is this one. If these changes are implemented, and I cannot see why they won't be, Amateur Radio has a very bright and exciting future indeed. I am really looking forward to my next 55 years on the bands. Well, thank you for that. How about this, concerning the HF bands? Why relax bandwidth restrictions? Isn't 3 kilohertz more than enough? And further... Any digital margin and experimentation should be narrow-band. Apparently, the WIA's principle that future licence conditions should not limit or hinder experimentation with or adaptation of emerging technologies and applications is, quote, irresponsible and plain crazy, end quotes. Whew. Here's a different view, and I quote, Having closely followed the LCD evolution over many years, and also having read the WIA submission, I must take this opportunity to congratulate the WIA Board for developing such a comprehensive document. It sets out a clear direction for the future of amateur radio and addresses all the issues. It will also make the job of the ACMA much easier due to the clarity of the arguments. The quality of the arguments put forward shows that the WIA really has the interests of all amateur radio operators at heart. This is not a members-only document. End quote. There's a suggestion during the rounds that newly licensed deaf calls remain on the current privileges and don't get new privileges until after a certain period they've logged X number of QSOs. Then they get more bands and higher power. And similarly, for standard and advanced licensees but they would have to sit an additional exam. Comedian Spike Milligan recorded a song once, back in the 1950s, called I'm Walking Backwards for Christmas. OK, let us have a comment from a foundation licensee. He says, I knew the foundation license lagged somewhat behind other country permissions, but I didn't know that the standard and even the advanced licenses in Australia lagged behind the rest of the world. The power limit, I think, is fair. The inclusion of digital modes for foundation is long overdue. And then there's the call to sharpen up the HF plans to make the CW segments exclusive. Here's one advocate's view on that, and I quote, Our wise Radiometer ancestors made CW bands exclusive, in capitals. This came to an end in Australia when Roger Harrison, VK, 2ZRH and friends, new WIA leadership, called for an end to the CW exam for HF access. While I and many of you will clearly have no objection to the dropping of CW as a requirement to obtain HF licences, however, it should never have allowed for those who did not take the exam to be allowed automatically onto the CW exclusive parts of the band. End quote. Just call me Beelzebub. I'm the devil incarnate. Did I did it? Did it? Da did it? Actually, it was the president of the International Amateur Radio Union in the 1990s who championed dropping the Morse exam for HF axis. His name was Michael Owen, VK3KI. Michael became the founding president of the WIA. Now a silent key, unfortunately. Hmm, again, it says here, cue sound clip of a kookaburra. I still can't find it. Oh, well. This has been WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. Look out for me on the bands from Norfolk Island. I'll be signing VK9NJ, Victor Kilo, number nine, Norfolk Junket.
2: And continuing on, the WIA to land on Norfolk Island. A small advance party will arrive at Norfolk Island late this week to check out the venues, install the VK9-RNI UHF repeater, liaise with organisers and generally put in place a myriad of arrangements. There will be about 100 people attending the event while the amateur radio world focuses on Norfolk Island. The seminal daily DX newsletter lists activity from this DX entity that will be sought after by DXs. While Award Hunters also have the limited edition Norfolk Award, which has easy rules and application. Observing it all will be Neil Ellis, ZL1TAJ from our sister society, the New Zealand Association of Radio Transmitters, NZART. All this starts with an informal Friday night gathering at the local RSL. One of the highlights of the weekend is the naming of WIA members in the WIA Merit Awards program and those active WIA assessors who have now reached the milestone of 10 years' service. On Saturday, the WIA annual general meeting will be held, followed by the members' forum, with two streams of interesting presentations in the afternoon. This is to coincide with alternate partner tours – one looking at historical aspects and the other a gourmet food tour. All then come together in the evening for the traditional WIA dinner with a keynote address and a presentation on VI-0 Anzac at Casey Base. Among the events will be soda activity, the VI-9 Anzac commemorative station, the PS-65 balloon flight and a traditional fish bake. With the addition of self-exploring of the tourist attractions, it will be a memorable occasion. The WIA AGM program and annual report are on the WIA website.
1: Essex Heights Primary School in Melbourne talks to space. With great anticipation, students with plenty of rehearsing and even a midweek media gig, a Melbourne suburban school community is the latest to talk to a crew member in orbit on the International Space Station. The Essex Heights Primary School in Melbourne's East last Friday night, during a pre-arranged 10-minute pass, put a series of questions to astronaut Jeff Williams' KD5-TVQ via amateur radio Telebridge. The school hall was very quiet as the range of questions were asked. This is Jeff's third stint in the International Space Station, being the American spending the most amount of cumulative days in space. The event is part of the amateur radio on the International Space Station or ARIS and it was done through a telly bridge provided by Tony Hutchison, VK5ZAI. Essex Heights Primary School has a very strong science program. In the lead up to the big event, students have been tracking overhead passes of the International Space Station which have been seen by the naked eye. On Friday night, before their teachers and parents, the 11 students asked Jeff Williams questions, including how he got into space travel, what sort of work he's done in orbit, and the effects of zero gravity. The Year 3 to Year 6 students had their questions ready and very quickly stepped up to the microphone. The school's science coordinator who organised the ARIS event, Jenny Austin, later reported that there was great excitement as the International Space Station orbited some 350 kilometres above. Principal Andrew Crossett is hopeful that the experience will help expand the students' horizon. He also praised the amateur radio volunteers who made it possible through the ARIS program. Let's have a little listen to some of that contact.
0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
4: Hello everyone, this is Shane Lynn, VK4KHZ, your moderator for today. Through the help of amateur radio volunteers and the crew on the ISS, we hope soon to establish radio contact with the International Space Station as it flies more than 350 kilometres above the Earth over Kingston, southeast in South Australia. This is all accomplished with ARIS, which is amateur radio on the International Space Station. The ISS is currently approaching South Australia, whizzing along at around 27,000 kilometres an hour. The contact for today will be performed using the ARIS Telebridge network, which is a worldwide network of amateur radio ground stations that enable students to establish contact with the ISS. The audio for today's contact may also be available live around the world via uh, numerous outlets, being Echolink, the IRLP network, as well as YouTube and other means as well. ARIS is a consortium of volunteers from nine nations that develop and operate the amateur radio equipment on board the International Space Station. Those that support ARIS are the American Radio Relay League, the Worldwide AMSAT, Amateur Radio Satellite Corporations, the Canadian Space Agency, the European Space Agency, the Japanese Space Agency, Roscosmos, the Russian Space Agency, and of course NASA. The amateur radio ground station that will establish contact with the ISS today is VK5ZAI, located in Kingston in the southeast of South Australia and operated by Tony Hutchison. Thanks for helping us out today, Tony. That's a pleasure, Shane. Our link up today will be with students from Essex Heights Primary School in Victoria, Australia.
5: Your operator here is Tony, and I have the Essex Heights students waiting uh, to ask your question. So if you could
6: stand by, and uh, I'll ask them to go ahead with the first question. Please uh, ask your first question, Jake.
1: My name is Jake. What different jobs do you do as work on the space station? Over.
6: Hello, Jake. Uh, Well, we do a variety of different kinds of work. Of course, we operate the space station. Uh, We do maintenance on the space station. We we repair the space station when it breaks. It's an opening laboratory, so we do many, many science experiments. Occasionally, we go outside and do a spacewalk. We also do robotic operations, especially in support of maintaining the space station, as well as retrieving cargo ships. Over.
0: My name is Nestle. Do you prefer gravity or zero gravity
1: and why? Over.
6: Well, Natalie, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't interested in working in zero gravity, so I certainly like zero gravity. However, I think I wouldn't want to be here for the rest of my life. We're designed to uh, live in gravity, and uh, there's a kind lot of uh, things that uh, are supported with gravity, so I think for the rest of my life, I prefer gravity. Over. My name is Ava. How long does it take to get used to gravity again once back on Earth? Over. Ava. In terms of your vestibular system and your sense of balance, it takes a few days to get uh, acclimated to gravity. Of course, the force of gravity causes your muscles to have to work uh, extra hard again, and that takes a little over a month uh, to recover from. Over.
0: My name is Thomas. Why don't you run out of oxygen on the International Space Station? Over.
6: Good question, Thomas. We use oxygen continually here. So we don't run off because we continue to resupply it. We have oxygen tanks, high-pressure tanks that feed the atmosphere. We have a machine that makes oxygen out of water and dumps overboard. Uh, so we have to continue to supply us with oxygen. Over.
2: A WIA Constitution review underway. The WAA Board has considered updating opportunities for the WAA Constitution that was last changed by the members in 2004. The ad hoc Constitution Reform Panel has been asked to examine the Constitution document and come up with its findings by June 30th. Panel members are Regulatory Council Member Peter Young, VK3MV, Historian Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, and Lawyer Jenny Owen. Any proposed changes to the Constitution will be circulated to all members and put to a vote at the 2017 WIA Annual General Meeting.
1: ACMA shuts down licensing. The WIA exam service has been told by the ACMA that all processing of licence matters has stopped for two weeks while work is carried out on its new Spectra computerised processing system. The ACMA said that the project to implement Spectra is now in its final phase, as it transitions broadcast licensing from the old RADCOM system. The shutdown will involve all licensing until 31st of May. During the shutdown, the ACMA will upgrade the facility, including new features, as it migrates license records into Spectra.
2: A WIA Office Access Review. The WIA board has adopted a policy that will allow the use of the WIA premises at Bayswater, Melbourne by others hiring it at commercial rates. This policy was prepared by Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, for which the WIA board is grateful. In summary, the policy allows, at board discretion, to make available unused space at its Bayswater factory and office at a minimal rate of 75% of commercial rates in the area. At the same time, Security has been changed at the office with new keys and security passes issued after review of the key register.
1: WIA Secretary Retires After about four years as company secretary, David Williams, VK3RU, foreshadowed that he wanted to see out by the end of the year and retire at the annual general meeting. David has given the WIA board a handover report that should help the incoming secretary. David will not be attending Norfolk Island. The Board has identified a new Secretary who will be appointed at its meeting after the AGM.
7: Marine Boy carries amateur radio payload. We should be familiar now with the high-altitude solar-powered PICO balloons launched in Melbourne by Andy VK3YT having circumnavigated the Southern Hemisphere. One such balloon, PS65, using the core VK9WI, is to be launched late this week, and in its telemetry stream will be a message for the WIA annual general meeting on Norfolk Island. It will also have a very low power transmitter for trackers to follow on the 30 metre band like previous balloons in the series. In an interesting twist, this time it also has a greeting message among the normal data that includes the location, speed and altitude. Now comes news of a Marine Boy ZL1SIX with a similar low-powered transmission using the WSPR and JT9 modes on the 30-metre band. Unlike the stream travelling Pico balloons at high altitude of about 10,000 metres, the sea-level Marine Boy with a GPS and QRP transmitter is to drift with the tides, currents and wind directions. The yacht named Windflower left the Island Cruising Association on the North Island of New Zealand last weekend, heading to the launch site in the middle of the South Pacific Ocean. The boy is expected to be now active in the water. Behind the project is Bob Sutton, ZL1RS, who's long been tracking the Pico balloons floating, courtesy of Andy Nguyen, VK3YT. The Ocean Boy project also transfers some of the technical knowledge gained by Andy with his balloon flights over more than two years. The text edition of this broadcast has a URL for more details of this exciting project. CSIRO technology in
8: China's new radio telescope. Australia know-how is at the heart of what will be the world's largest single-dish radio telescope, now being built in southwestern China. Large radio telescopes look deep into the past of the universe with great sensitivity. The 500m wide one in China is called FAST and uses the CSIRO's powerful receiver and its long history developing cutting edge astronomy technology. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FU q
1: takes over the DX operating booklet, For the past eight years, a booklet that sets out to discuss in a prescriptive way the possible ethics and operating procedures for the amateur radio on the bands has been setting a standard. Translated into main languages, the book by John de Voldier, ON4UN, and Mark Delmonia, ON4WW, has now been given to the International Amateur Radio Union for further development. Mark and John contacted the IIRU, asking it to be the future custodian, explaining that the pair felt that this was the best way forward to ensure that it remains relevant and current. The IIRU Administrative Council has accepted responsibility for the booklet, and it's available free online. ACMA considers a mobile phone jammer at another jail. The
9: Australian Communications and Media Authority is looking at a proposed trial of phone jamming technology at Goulburn Correctional Complex in New South Wales. The use and prevention of the jammers is illegal in Australia, but exemption is given on their use, such as to prevent mobile phones being used by an inmate of a jail. Corrective Services New South Wales has made the application after a successful trial it had at the Lithgow Correctional Centre. For WIA National News, I'm Jason, VK2 LAW in Sydney.
0: From Australia, this is VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
10: Club Focus. In previous editions of Club Focus I've spoken about the psychosocial benefits of belonging to a group or a club, talked about how to keep a club interesting to its members and discussed the needs for sound governance. So where to from here? Keeping a club rolling along successfully isn't rocket science, however it does require persistence and determination. The committee and other The committee and other office bearers have been entrusted with the responsibility to manage the club's finances, run the meetings, write the letters, keep the equipment working, maintain the shack, repair the antennas, etc, etc. But hang about? What about playing with the toys? Where's the work-life balance of the club? Surely it's reasonable for one to expect to spend an appreciable amount of club time on air, isn't it? Well, of course it is. However, being on air isn't the only activity that makes the club time something to look forward to. My experience is that doing anything as a team or a group is why we belong to a club. And just like all other aspects of our lives, we must maintain a balance. Often we hear the term work-life balance. We could directly apply that to our radio clubs as work-play balance. To keep your club healthy, it's important to maintain this balance. It's important to have sufficient playtime in your club time to keep members interested and stimulated in their chosen hobby. I'm Bob, VK6POP. Entry level and upgrading courses in Melbourne. Enrolments
2: are now open for the next quality Foundation Licence Training and Assessments, weekend by Amateur Radio Victoria, held on the weekend of June 11 and 12. Also, a bridging course for the standard licence will be held in late September and October on Wednesday nights from 6.30. To enrol in the Foundation Licence Training or the bridging course held at the Amateur Radio Victoria office, 40G Victory Boulevard, Ashburton, contact Barry Robinson, VK3PV. Hello,
5: I'm Jeff Emery, VK4ZPP, and I've been thinking. On the weekend when Norfolk Island is radioactive with mainland operators, it seems appropriate to think of the importance of the functional and ceremonial aspects of the WIA Annual General Meeting. It was reported during this past week that the new Australian Government Administrator has removed the locals from running the broadcast radio on the island short-term installation of a multi-mode repeater for use of visiting amateurs may attract residents to inquire about the hobby. Hopefully the de-expeditioners are finding the gods of propagation are favouring them, and for those who can take internet streaming, the satellite service from the island has brought the activities to their screens. One of the functions of this mandated gathering is to install the directors elected earlier this year. Of course, formal presentation of reports and financial statements takes place, also even although much of this material has been placed on the website and emailed to financial members. This is to show that the requirements of a registered entity have been met and activities properly discharged and disclosed. It is all too easy in this day and age to look under a statement and seemingly find fault. It is easy to allege that wrongdoing has occurred and to find conspiracies where none exist. Similarly, it is easy for those engaged in running organisations to find the easy options and to form power groups rather than adhere to best practice. As a reconstructed team take over the Institute, it is time to think about how our clubs run and how we react. In Looking at our pig body, we can reflect on our own practices. Throughout the whole structure, we can apply one principle called consideration for each other. I'm Jeff Emery, and that's what I think.
7: How about you? Smart Clothes Peg makes drying your clothes a breeze. The humble clothes peg, you know, the fastener used to hang up clothes for drying, usually on a clothesline. Well, it's been brought into the modern age with a smart clothes peg. Inside the orange-colored smart peg is a thermometer, UV sensor, and humidity detector. These track the weather and impending rain to alert you via your smartphone and Wi-Fi. The smart peg aims to avoid soggy washing on the line that needs expensive indoor drying. It seems that many things will eventually be caught up in the Internet of Things revolution.
1: Operational News twenty sixteen The ten ten International Summer Contest is on August the sixth and seventh, the Remembrance Day or RD Contest on August the thirteenth and fourteenth, and the thirty sixth Alara Contest is on the last full weekend in August that's twenty seventh and twenty-eighth. Radar's fishermen,
9: taxis and broadcasters. The International Amateur Radio Union Region 1 Monitoring System has found many intruders on exclusive amateur radio allocations causing harmful interference. In plague proportions are emissions from over-the-horizon radars in China and Russia that affect 40, 30, 20 and 15 metres. Also mentioned is voice traffic on several bands from fishing operations and persistent taxi dispatching from Russia. The April newsletter has reports on other interference from broadcasters, both harmonics and deliberate jammers to block out other broadcasts. Military traffic is also occurring on our bands, some in digital format on 40 and 20 metres.
1: Worldwide Special Interest Group's QRP, and here's Felix, VK4FUQ, with this week's story.
8: QRP Day is next month. The interest in QRP is challenging and strong and is encouraged by the International Amateur Radio Union by an event on June 27 each year. The New Zealand Amateur Transmitter successfully submitted at the 10th IAA Regions conference in ninety-seven at Beijing that QRP had its advantages, is worthy of articles in national magazines and honor activity the show how it can effectively use the spectrum. Nearly all aspects of amateur radio can be done with 5 watts. It's very popular in portable operations, pedestrian mobile, those without space at home, rag chewing, chasing DX, award hunting and home brewing. QIP Day is Friday, June 27. Turn down the transmitter power to QIP and join in the fun.
1: Worldwide special interest groups, Females in Radio, ALARA, the Australian Ladies AR Association. A reminder that their net is held each Monday on 3.570 megahertz, commencing at 10.30 UTC.
2: Now a quick run through the social scene. 2016 May 27-29 VK9 WIA AGM this year on Norfolk Island. June 3-5 to 5, VK4 Central Highlands Social Gathering Teresa Park Dam. June 4 VK4 Fest, Mount Gravatt Showgrounds. June 11-13, to 13, VK5, the VK Fox Hunting Championship and SERG Convention, Mount Gambier. July 9-10, and 10, VK3, Gipps Tech, 2016 in Churchill. August 7, VK6, NCRG Hamfest, 9am, Cyril Jackson Community Hall, Ashfield. September 23-25, VK4, Central Highlands Amateur Radio Club, AGM Weekend, Lake Maraboon Holiday Village near Emerald. September to October, that's September 30th to 3rd of October, VK4 Cardwell Gathering Long Weekend Beachcomber Motel. November 6th, VK5 Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society Hamfest from 8am. And finally in the list of November 26th, the VK7 Myena Hamfest. Now looking ahead to next week's
1: broadcast, we'll have a review of the contents of Amateur Radio Magazine for June, also, the WIA AGM of Norfolk Island will have started. It'll have been reported through the WIA website and the VK1 WIA
2: broadcast on June the 5th. Well, that's about it for this week, Brian. Yes, that's right, Rob. That is all we have for this week, but the WIA national news continues on. Remember, listeners, national news at wia.org.au. Send through your events for the social scene. Send a couple of links, perhaps, to a uh, a club event that's upcoming for registrations. Maybe you've already produced a report for your local newsletter, and you'd like to uh, you know send that news out or uh, tell everybody else about it. Perhaps you've got a great idea for something, and you're looking for expressions of interest, even from uh, people in your area or abroad. Don't forget. This news goes out uh, all across VK, all across ZL and all across the globe. So yes, to close off for this week, Rob, I hope you have a great week, listeners, to you too. And as we always say, we report it and
1: you decide.
0: From Australia, this has been VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service.